You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. But I've got a question for you. Have you been hindered lately? In the book of Galatians chapter 5, the Bible asked a very serious and sobering question. It says, you did run well. Who did hinder you? that you should not obey the truth? Have you quit fighting today? Have you been so worn down by the voices of the naysayers and of society in general today that discourage you from opening your mouth for the Lord that you have all but quit serving God? In today's message with Pastor Gary, he asks if you are worn down Have you become so tired of naysayers that you've stopped sharing of the Lord's love? These everyday annoyances can add up, but don't lose sight that these hindrances are from the devil. If you give up, you are letting him win. You have tools to fight back. The evil one will not overcome you when the Lord is on your side. Use today's message to overcome your challenges and fight back the darkness. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Nehemiah chapter 4 as he begins his message, Dealing with Hindrances. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, that they were very wroth. Some people ain't happy about you serving Jesus. Verse 8, And conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Notice the word hinder. Verse 9, Therefore, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work To cease. Everybody's saying this shouldn't be done and it can't be done and so forth. Verse 12. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times from all places whence ye pass, when she shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Verse 13. Therefore said I under the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. Verse 15, And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we return all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work, And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both the spears, 
the shields and the bows and the habergens and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which built it on the wall and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work and with the other hand held a weapon for the builders. Every one had his sword girded by his side and so builded. We'll stop reading there. Thank you for honoring the word of God. Preaching on dealing with hindrances. Jeremiah was called by God to rally God's people back to a worthy cause, that of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. These walls symbolize a defense for all things to us today that are worth fighting for. Things that when it comes right down to where the rubber meets the road, are the only things that really matter in life, which is faith, family, and country. And today I believe that God is raising up men that are crying out for the rebuilding of the walls of righteousness in our land because they are corroded, they are corrupt, they are rubbish because the bearers of the burdens have grown weary in the work and now we have many churches every week shutting their doors and giving up on the fight. I say this morning that we need some people who will get back in the fight, amen, and decide that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But I've got a question for you. Have you been hindered lately? In the book of Galatians chapter 5, the Bible asked a very serious and sobering question. It says, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Have you quit fighting today? Have you been so worn down by the voices of the naysayers and of society in general today that discourage you from opening your mouth for the Lord that you have all but quit serving God? Have you been hindered? Have you been stopped in your tracks? Have, has your voice been silenced? Has your, has your service to the Lord been stopped or rendered practically useless I want to give you a few things that I think that we need to be aware of if we are to overcome the hindrances that the enemy has sent our way in our endeavors to please the Lord and to spread the gospel of Christ around the world and to restore righteousness to our land. I believe in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 and I believe it is applicable to the church of America and around the world even today in our generation though it was spoken by God to the specific people of Israel. He said if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. I believe that that verse, if we took that seriously, we could see a revival in our land. I believe that we sit around and wait on people to come up with solutions that are never going to come up with the solutions. We put too much stock in the stock market, amen. We put too much stock in our educational systems today. We put too much stock in the White House and the government today to try to fix all of our social problems. But I'm going to tell you one thing uh, that will fix our social problems is when we as a country get back to Jesus. Can I get an amen? Because if you think about it, where have we come as a nation from the days where they taught the Bible even in public schools to now where you can't even whisper a prayer without it becoming a federal matter? 
Where have we come as a culture? Where have we come as a nation? Has it improved our condition? Has it made us better as a country? Has it made us stronger? Has it made us mightier? Or have we been weakened by the corruption that exists today? One person said, I wish there wasn't a church in the country. Well, I got a question for you, sir and madam, if that's your attitude. Where would this country be without somebody to stand up and declare the truth of the Word of God? Could you imagine how wicked and vile and corrupt this place would be without the church, without the gospel, without the good news being declared through all ends? Amen. Could you imagine how much worse it would be today? God gives us the truth to resist the darkness. And I'm afraid that many of us have been hindered so that we are not actively engaged in rebuilding the walls of righteousness in our land. So I'm going to give you three things quickly if I have time on what it takes to overcome your hindrances. Number one, you need to recognize your vulnerabilities. You need to recognize your vulnerabilities. Figure out where your weakness is and work on your weakness because the enemy specializes in harassing you in the area of your weakness. He will take you down where you are weak. That is what his focus will be. The enemy studies you day and night to see if he can find one break in the hedge of protection that is set about you. One little area where you might allow him a foothold to sneak in and to do more than you originally invited him to do. And the devil plays on your weakness. If you don't struggle with something, most likely the devil's not going to tempt you with it. If you don't struggle with alcohol and the temptation to drink alcohol, then you will never have a problem with the devil coming to you and attempting you to drink alcohol, most likely, because that's not your weakness. But you do have a weakness that the enemy plays on, and you need to understand what your vulnerabilities are, and you need to figure out a way to strengthen the areas in your walk with God that are the weakest. Galatians 5.8 says that this persuasion... We read where it said, what did hinder you? And then it goes on to say, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. In other words, in the country terms, if you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. Amen. Weaknesses. Young people, hear me well. If you haven't already faced temptation today, they may come a day in your life, most likely will, that someone will say one little joint won't hurt. One little drink won't hurt. One little puff won't hurt anything. Just give it a try. We're just having fun. After this, it'll be all right. Not knowing that many people went to their grave, a drug addict or a drunk, because of that first drink or that first puff or that first snort or whatever, because they believe the lie that one won't hurt. Are you listening to me? You need to keep your guard up. And protect yourself against the wiles of the devil, the tactics of the devil, the lies of the devil that seek to persuade you to make decisions that are destructive because the enemy has only one thing in mind, not your happiness. I promise you the devil is not out to make you happy. He is out to destroy you. 
The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But one of the trickiest ways the devil's figured out how to lead you into that is to set you on a path that you think makes you happy. But in the end, the Bible says, uh, the Bible says that there's pleasure in sin for a season, but the ends thereof are death. The devil makes it look real pretty. Makes it look real cool. Makes it look real good on the surface. Not knowing there's a monster beneath the surface ready to devour you. Ready to swallow you whole. Are you listening? Recognize your vulnerabilities. And some of us are very vulnerable to other people's opinions. Some of us are very vulnerable to the naysayers in our text. If I had time, I could break this down real good for you. I may not have time to cover them all. But in verse 10 of our text, Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. This is the kind of person that says it cannot be done. And sometimes our vulnerability is listening to the person that says, It can't be done, and that is our weakness. Because if you don't believe it can be done, then guess what? You will make no effort to do it. That's why churches sit for decades and never experience any kind of growth because somebody somewhere along the line convinced the congregation that it'll never be any different than what it has been. And so everybody's programmed to think that way, and so nobody makes any effort because they believe it can't be done. They don't think that any outreach will make a difference or they'll be doing more outreach. And so I challenge you as a church to find any vulnerability, any weakness, any stinking thinking that you've believed from the enemy, reports, evil reports that came over. You remember when Joshua and Caleb went over 10 other men and spied out the land of Canaan and 10 came back with what the Bible described as an evil report. And only two of them came back with a, a report full of faith. Ten of them said, there's giants in the land. If we go over there, they're going to wipe us out. We better not go. And then only two of them said, we better go at once. We can do this. God's promised it to us. God will worry about the giants. We just need to go. And who won? The majority won. And they didn't really win, did they? They they may have won the vote, but they lost the battle. And just because you have uh, the majority on your side... Sir and madam, does not mean that you are right. Matter of fact, we could look at society today, and if you took a if you took a poll on who actually believed the word of God, you may find out in today's culture that more people don't believe the word of God, the Bible is the word of God, than they do anymore. Did you know that one day the the world believed that the earth was flat? That was the common opinion of the day. The earth was flat. Everybody believed it. But a few who actually believed the Bible that talks about the circle of the earth and based upon the truth of the Word of God, they set sail. And guess what? We found out that the majority was wrong. We have been sold a bill of goods today, church. We've been told by the majorities we can no longer make a difference for the cause of Christ that in this world, in today's age, in, in a small country church, you might, might be happy just to have a few that uh, you might as well quit dreaming for the sky. Amen. Quit reaching for the sky. Uh, you might as well just be satisfied with status quo. You might as well be happy with us for and no more. But I'm here to rattle your cage a little bit and to tell you this church, in this economy, in this town can grow exponentially if we will decide that we change the way we think about things. 
If we decide that what we do for Christ does make a difference and that we can't be satisfied with what does not and has not worked. If you continue to do the things that don't work over and over again, that's kind of like the definition of stupidity. To do the same thing over and over again and to expect different results. Amen? And and today we sometimes think that if we do it long enough and hard enough, maybe somebody will come. Well, guess what? The Bible says that we are to go out into the highways and hedges and compel those which are lost to come in. That means that we should have an outreach mentality rather than an inreach mentality. We shouldn't just sit at the church and expect people to show up. We should go out in the community and talk to people and build relationships and, and, and befriend people and befriend sinners and, and be, a, be a voice of hope in their life. And, and over time, you can win them to Christ. I'm talking about recognizing your vulnerabilities. One of those vulnerabilities is the voice that says, it can't be done. Another vulnerability is the voice that says it won't be done. Verse 11. Our adversary said they shall not know neither see till we come in the midst of them and slay them and cause the work to cease. Here's what the enemy said in essence. We're going to destroy them and they won't even see it coming. In other words, we're going to put a stop to it. What they're trying to do for God will not be done because we're going to see to it that it's not done. Do you know that we have an enemy today that wants to see to it that whatever efforts we make for the cause of Christ will not succeed? And they have said in essence, we're going to destroy that work and they're not even going to see it come. But if we the people of God will keep our eyes and ears open to the voice of the Spirit of God and the Word of God, we can become strong in our areas of vulnerability and we can shut out the voices that tell us that it can't be done and tell us that it won't be done and we can do it for the glory of God. Another voice is the voice of fear that says it shouldn't be done. This is a deafening tone of voice. Verse 12, it came to pass when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times from all places when she shall return unto us, they will be upon you. This is a fearful voice. A voice that says, if you do this, if you launch out into the deep, you might drown. If you go into battle, you may lose. If you continue to do the work of God, you open yourself up to criticism, you open yourself up to vulnerabilities, and, and you might, it's not worth the risk. And this is a spirit of fear that teaches us to stay put and to mind our own business. Because the Bible even tells us of the sluggard who wakes up in the morning and instead of going to work says there's a lion in the street. In other words, I might risk getting ate by a lion if I go outside, so I believe I'll just stay home. And sometimes churches, rather than exercising our spiritual gifts and operating in the fullness of the Spirit like we're supposed to be, for fear of rejection or for fear of criticism or for fear of heat that might come our way, would rather sit down and be quiet than to take the risk that we might be criticized for doing something for God. This is a spirit of fear that has come against the church. It's not just this church. Every church in America has to overcome this spirit that says, don't do it or else. Vulnerability. It's a weakness, a weak spot that we've got to strengthen. We've got to decide, are we going to believe that God will bless our efforts if we serve Him? Or are we going to just sit around and do nothing? Nobody that ever did anything was without risk. Are you hearing me? 
anybody that's ever done anything for God risked great danger to do it. There is no such thing as successful ministry that does not assume certain risks that are involved. And so we must be willing to count the cost, take up our cross, there's the risk, and follow Jesus. Whatever God leads us to do. Say, now Lord, I understand that there are certain complications that we may acquire just as a result of doing something different, just as a result of reaching out and making a difference in other people's lives. But Lord, it's, will, it's worth the risk if, if, we, if we do it for you and we pray for your protection. It's worth the risk. Amen. I'm thankful for people that took a risk for me. People that reached out to my family I lived in the family of a drunk, a father who was a drunk and a mother who had mental problems. And uh, the average church looked at our family and said, well, they're not worth reaching out to. They'll never change. But there were some that took a risk, come loved on us anyway. They'd bring us Christmas when we didn't have no Christmas money. They would come visit us when nobody else would visit us. And I thank God that somebody took a risk, took a gamble, that their efforts might go in vain, but it was worth trying anyway. Some of us don't reach out to others because we assume that our efforts will make no difference and so we're not willing to uh, put forth the effort because we're going to think that our effort is in vain. Let God decide whether the effort is in vain. You just do it. It's better to try and fail than to not try at all. I'd rather die knowing that I tried miserably to serve God and failed than to, 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 than to say that I sit down and didn't try to do anything for God. Take some risks. Be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. If you'll do that, God will help you. God will help you overcome obstacles and hindrances that are coming your way. So if you're trying to do something for God, don't be surprised at the naysayers, the people that say it can't be done, the people that say it won't be done, the people that say it shouldn't be done. All those are just weaknesses that the devil's trying to hit you in your weak spots, and you've got to decide, number one, did I hear the voice of God? And if I did, number two, am I willing to obey it at all costs? Now, if God ain't told you to do something, don't do it. But if it's in this Bible and if the Holy Spirit has convinced you that you have an assignment, you best get about your father's business or you will suffer. You'll suffer more as a result of not doing something for God than you would doing it for God. You know, it's amazing to me. Prophet Jeremiah, he, he was given the assignment of preaching judgment to the nation of Israel. And he didn't have no sugar sticks to hand out. He didn't have no sweet sermons that we could all go home and smile about. Every time he stood and preached, it was judgment. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. He didn't even give him a space to repent. He said judgment's inevitable. I mean, it was just a, it was just a tough ministry. Didn't have no good news to share. <laughs> just judgment is coming. And, and one day he got so tired of having to preach that and getting the criticism that came from it. He said, you know what, I will mention his name no more. But then the Bible says something very interesting. It says, but it was like a fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing. In other words, the burden of not preaching became greater than the burden of preaching. 
And I'm telling you today, the burden of not serving God will become greater than the burden of serving Him. You think you've got a bad servant? Jesus, try not serving Him and be His. If you're His and you don't serve Him, it's going to get worse. How many times will we have to bow our head on Judgment Day when God said, I told you to do this, but you did nothing? I would rather take some risk and obey God and know that on Judgment Day I did my best to serve Him than to assume no risk and have an easy life and face the Lord with nothing to show from my life. Talking about dealing with hindrances. How are you going to deal with them? You're going to have to recognize your vulnerabilities and learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit in your life. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. We're so glad you joined us today for this study in God's Word. Be sure to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss a new edition. This broadcast is part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more about it and Pastor Gary by visiting our website, garycottle.com. That's Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. As our time with you comes to an end, we'd like to invite you to partner with us in sharing the good news of Jesus through this ministry. Would you join Pastor Gary in praying for those listening? Prayer for ears to be open and hearts to be receptive to the truth and love found only in God. Please keep Pastor Gary in your prayers as well as he continues to seek God's direction in this ministry. Another way you can be a part of what we're doing is through financial gifts. All amounts are appreciated and useful. Please prayerfully consider your involvement in this way. And if you feel led to give, you can mail a check to Gary Cottle Ministries, 171 White Circle, Louisville, Mississippi, 39339. Thank you for partnering with us. And thank you for listening today to True North.